listening to the Astral Hour. I'm your host, Astral Meadow. Join me as we take a glimpse into the mysterious. Welcome everyone. Today I'm joined with my friend Kelly Hansel Haywood. She is a spiritual explorer, writer, public speaker, mother, and space holder for the relevance within the human experience. She is a multi-generational native of the central Appalachian Mountains of southeastern Kentucky, one of the most stigmatized, marginalized, romanticized, and misunderstood cultures in modern history. Kelly is intimately familiar with straddling the line of the mundane and spectacular. From this viewpoint, Kelly illuminates the importance of the stories through which we define ourselves and each other, focusing on the potential they bring to a transformative experience for each of us. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming out. And it was a long drive, but I really appreciate it. Yeah, totally worth it. I made the most of it, so. Yeah, It works out, yeah. Great. All right, um. Can you give us a little background about yourself and your journey? Um, How has growing up and living in your part of the world shaped your experience? Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, with all of us, even if we think we're from nowhere special, uh, where we are from and where we grew up, where we had our first experiences of being alive in a human body shapes who we are for the rest of our lives. And I have had, I should say, the the pleasure and also the, I guess I should say it's a rarity maybe in, in today's world to have grown up in the place where I was born completely and then also have lived in that region and area for all but seven years of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't leave. And my family before me has been there for at least five generations. Mm-hmm. So all of my family are there pretty much, except for a few that have left. But they all come home, you know. Right. So I know my family of origin. Mm-hmm. I met all of my great-grandparents but one. You know, I didn't realize that that wasn't very common. Right. I, But also, I grew up where I'm from is southeastern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so the coal fields of central Appalachia. And I um, I was born in 1978. So I'm, I'm like on the tail end of Gen X. Mm-hmm. And from the time I was born to now, the changes in technology and and what people in my region are able to experience of the world has changed so drastically. It's almost unbelievable to me. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what my experience of the world was, was seeing things on television that I knew it was very unlikely that I would ever see in real life because so many of us are living Well, about 34%, and it varies uh, depending on what county in southeastern Kentucky you're in, around 30, 34% of folks live below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us, we don't have the money for extensive vacations. Right. You know, so we don't see things. and, And we're living in communities where we know everyone. 
You know, there's in my hometown, Whitesburg, Kentucky, there's around 1,500 people. And most of their families have been there for as long as mine have. Right. So you will introduce yourself. And the next question is, whose girl are you? Right. <laughs> you know, so they, they, they can place you within a family unit. Mm-hmm. You know, or who do you belong to? Right. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, you're not anonymous ever, you know, in, <laughs> in my community. But the mountains, I call them sentinels of time. You know, there are protectors and it's really a beautiful thing as at the same time, kind of tragic, you know, because there is so much that we don't experience of the world. Like I've only seen the ocean myself twice as an adult at this Mm -hmm. point, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know when I'll go back to the ocean. I've never been on a commercial airline except for one time I was 15 years old and, um, my basketball team flew to Alaska to play ball mm-hmm. and that's how I got to be on a commercial airline since uh 9-11 I've not been on an airline so I don't I don't even know how to buy a plane ticket right I don't, you I know, don't I, either I haven't done any flying as an adult yeah <laughs> so there's there's that you know and so but I'm also a very curious person so I watched tons of documentaries I was in the encyclopedias of thumbing 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 right. you know trying to absorb as much information as I possibly could about what the world was like that I could not see mm-hmm. so while the mountains were really isolating for me in that regard as a curious person who really would love to see the world you know and sometimes I'll cry because mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to get to yeah you know unless something changes you know but if things are as they are presently, it's very unlikely I'll get to see all that much, you know? Mm-hmm. So sometimes that hurts my heart yes. <laughs> really bad. Um, but at the same time, the mountains isolating us there has preserved a cultural heritage that is very much overlooked mm-hmm. and uh, by the rest of the world. But even our accent, you know, Um, that's something I can't go anywhere without my accent being commented on. Right. Um, that's outside of my region. And even our accent is one of the oldest forms of the English language still being spoken anywhere. Right. You know, linguistically, it's, it's a really interesting thing for people to study, you know? So at the same time as being isolating and keeping us from experiencing a broader world, it also preserves so much of things that when we become more homogenized, get lost. Right. You know, we've got our art, our music, our stories, you know, um, our folk heritage that is still in place and alive. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is just a beautiful thing. So, you know, all of those things shaped me as an individual. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm out of place there while at the same time I can't imagine belonging anywhere else Mm -hmm. you know when I think of people it's like if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be I'm like all I know is that I need mountains right you know there's got to be mountains because I go out to the flatland and I'm like where do you hide you know where do you duck (laughs) if something comes at you from above you know like do people even think that you know I'm like well where do you go it feels so vulnerable you know (laughs) And, um, but yeah, so it's a, 
it's interesting to kind of detach yourself and think about it more in an analytical way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why do I feel that? Why do I, you know, and how, how place and culture and family shapes someone. Right. You know, and something that I really feel like we've got to remember when we're talking to other people is that they have a backstory. Right. That we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, we have no idea where what we're meeting is coming from, Mm -hmm. you know, so being willing to listen and ask questions and try to observe and uh, understand that a person is so much more than the words coming out of their mouth. Right. You know, and like what you're seeing, you know, Mm -hmm. so I think like I'm from a small town, too, you know, and and like the camo and like the NASCAR and. And sometimes I'm like, especially when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, God, this guy. But if you just sit down and talk to them, their story's just, you know, very similar to mine. We we both, you know, might have been raised in poverty. You know, our dads, you know, drank Budweiser. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so even though, you know, they're not, like, as eclectic on the outside, that doesn't mean that their story isn't just as beautiful or, you know, hard you know or whatever so not judging people based on that is you're gonna learn a lot if you just get right past that exterior you know yeah and I mean as Carl Jung taught us all we all have a persona right that is not the same as the individual mm-hmm. which is not the same as individuation right you know so we have layers we all have this persona that we put forth for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and usually it's for self-protection. Right. And to fit into the collective so that we're not ostracized and vulnerable, right? So a lot of us, we have fronts. We have these masks. Mm-hmm. And depending on the situation we're in, we're another person. Right. You know, so the guy in the camo who's, yeah, buddy, you know, let's <laughs> go <laughs> shoot some guns, you know, right. or whatever. You can maybe sit down and talk with them and find out, oh, they're, they write novels. Right. Or they write songs mm-hmm. or they make art or they're really thinking about this major political concept, you know, in a, a very deep way. Right. You know, that, that you take for granted just by judging them immediately. Exactly. By that persona that they've presented to you. Right. You know, and, and I think sometimes we do that to ourselves too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we assume that we need to be a certain way or that we have to, or this is who we are because of X, Y, Z. Right. You know, rather than really getting below that surface and like, what is my story? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of actually what I did with my book. You know, right. I, what is my story? Why am I like this today? Mm-hmm. Why am I having this experience? Exactly. You know? And peeling that off layer by layer. Right. Yeah. To find out, you know. Yeah, I definitely, you know, as I, I guess, started my spiritual journey, which was really my whole life. But there was a day where I really started looking at it, you know, like outside of myself and like as an observer and like, what is this, you know? And it, I don't know, I got to know myself so much deeper, but I'm like, this is just a character I'm playing. Right? I became kind of like, wow, like, this is interesting. But I don't know. I I got to, like, love myself on a whole another level. Mm Because I'm like, oh, wow, look at this girl. Like, look at this journey she's been on. And, you know, and this is me. But it's just, like, a whole other 
version of me now when I look back because I feel so different, you know, because I've really stepped into myself thanks to people like Young, you know, and sharing their knowledge on the shadow and the the persona and all that because I start thinking, well, who am I? I mean, that's what we all want to know, right? That's the big question. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where we really grow when we start asking those deeper questions. So mm-hmm. I love that you brought that up in your book a lot and I related to it on so many levels. Like, probably couldn't even get into all of them today but I'm, I'm really appreciative that you took the time to write this down for us and I think it's going to help a lot of people yeah I know well one of the reasons that I wrote the book the way that I did was I hit a wall like a literal wall in my life and I I'm I'm about to apologize for getting dark but I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to apologize for getting dark because everyone has dark moments. Right. And I think the more that we talk about them, the less mm-hmm. dark that they are. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And we're not, ooh, you know, giving them all kinds of power because we're hiding them away. Exactly. Because they and become, I feel like we feed the darkness more when we avoid it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so I I'd hit a wall and I literally, I wanted to die. Mm-hmm. I did not want to be alive anymore. And I could not find, other than my three daughters, I could not find a reason to be excited about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was hurting so much that I felt sometimes that I was a detriment to them. You know, I didn't want to drag them back either. And that is a not a good place to be if you want to stay alive. Right. And, but then, fortunately, I had them. Right. Because they kept me, I had to battle that question and and go over it rehash it mm-hmm. more than I would have if they had not been in my life and so I'm very grateful for that but ultimately I had to decide do I add a trauma to their uh, another trauma me mm-hmm. do I add that trauma and no you know I, I came to the conclusion I cannot do that right so I am strong enough to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so I had hit this wall where, okay, now that I've decided I'm going to be alive, I can't be alive as a half person, as a dead inside person just going through the motions. Right. So how do I get the quality of life that will allow me to be an inspiration to my daughters or an example to them, mm-hmm. you know, of what to do when things get ugly and dark. Right. You know, I had to figure that out. Mm-hmm. There was no other choice. Right. And where I'm from, this is another impact of being where I'm from. Mental health resources are few and far between. You know, you don't have psychologists. There's one in my town mm-hmm. and she is way taxed. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, for a psychiatrist, I had to drive over an hour and 15 minutes to see one of those. And if yep. you were three minutes late, they wouldn't see you. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really hard to access proper mental health resources there. And I am also, like I said before, a very curious person. I'm always a student. And I, it just dawned on me, like, and there's, I've seen quotes since, like, after it dawned on me about how, if you learn and learn and learn, but you never apply, you know, have you ever, have you even learned anything? Right. You know, <laughs> and it just dawned on me, I have the tools. You know, I just have not applied them in the way that would be effective for me yet. 
Mm-hmm. And so what was that? You know, and you don't see those examples. You see, like on Instagram, for example, you'll see before and after pictures or you'll say, or someone will say, it was such a dark time, but now right. I'm happy. You know, right, like Sam Lau or something like Yeah, but, but you don't see what that underlying process was. Yes. You know, what, well, how did you get happy? Right. What did you do? You know, it wasn't just X, Y, Z. It was a lot more complicated than that, I know. You mm-hmm. know, so for me, going through that process, I couldn't find ex- too many examples of and and f- what was working for me was a lot of esoteric teachings, yoga, very eclectic hodgepodge of things. You know, mm-hmm. and now I consider myself an omnist, right. which meaning truth in all faiths, mm-hmm. you know, and I believe that there's one underlying truth and that each culture gives us stories that are. Uh, culturally relevant to them to explain that one truth. Right. You know, that's what I believe. And so, like, how do I take all this hodgepodge of information that I have (laughs) and turn it into something that helps me peel back these layers and helps me find the answer that's right for me? Right. You know, and what's right for me might not be right for whoever else, Mm -hmm. but showing what that process looks like. Right, being the example. Yeah. This is what my growth looked you know this is how I peeled back layers this is walls that I hit on the way and the the ideas that might have pushed me through or the movement that got me Mm -hmm. you know to the next level you know or even the types of questions I asked myself yes you know because we all we're all human so we have that in common Mm -hmm. you know and the types of questions we should ask ourselves to consider our own well-being is going to be similar no matter where we're from or who we are right and you don't even have to answer all the questions sometimes just like meditating on the question is enough Mm -hmm. you know because it's I feel like the answers change day by day you know Mm -hmm. we die to each other daily like every day we wake up there's some new energy that we're working with so it's going to be it could be totally different than the energy that we worked with yesterday Mm -hmm. so you know, there's not this, oh, let's get comfortable. We figured it out. Let's just, you know, <laughs> lay around in the sun now. And It's like, okay, next wall. Where are we going? Let's peel back another layer. Yeah. So that's such a Scorpio vibe, though, is like, which I love it. I've got um, Scorpio as my midheaven. So obviously, like, that's my career, right? I'm like, let's go deeper. Can we get me and my husband are doing this shadow workbook? And there was this point where we had to take a pause because I'm like, okay. We have been going really, really deep. Today, I just want to put my jams on and, like, not do shadow work. But I love it because I can see that when we go deep, you know, that it's, it's like, I don't know. It heals so much on the, on the surface level, you know. But you just can't, if you don't do that, then what are you, what are we doing? I don't know. Like, it's so necessary. So, I'm, like, super grateful for other Scorpios that are like, nope, we're doing it today. Like, I know you guys might not be feeling it, but I've had to really, really learn, and I'm still learning <laughs> very much how to bounce. I have five Scorpio placements. Wow. Five. And the rest, like my moon is in Cancer, so it's mm-hmm. still a water sign. Right. You know? And so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm in the depth all the time. And right. to me, it's extremely fascinating. You know, I can talk about some of this dark stuff like it's the weather. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I'm not really like, 
yeah, I have feelings about it, uh-huh. but it's not going to bum me out talking it, about it. Right. You know, um, and I, I, it took me a while to realize that I think that is not typical. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I have to pull back sometimes too yeah. and realize not everyone has this, these Scorpio placements, you know, not everyone yeah. is Capricorn and wants to just drive it home 24 seven, you know, or yeah. I could just keep going and going, you know, some people like they're on their own path and they might have mm-hmm. been moving a little slower, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe this whole lifetime, maybe they're going to come to like one of these truths and that's all that yeah. and they're satisfied. Yeah. You know, not everybody's like me, but, mm-hmm. but it's good, you know, to find other people to connect with and to like, I love the podcast cause I, I put it out there and the people with that, that love that Scorpio thing, they want to go deep. They want to learn more about the occult or whatever, like they find it. And here we are all together now. And it's mm-hmm. like, there might be one of us in each town, but you know, when we collectively come together, we make our own energy and it's like, no, this is good yeah everybody every town needs a mystic right every town benefits by having these people that are going to do that dirty work Mm -hmm. and then share that energy Mm -hmm. you know they're like okay well you don't have to do it (laughs) all the digging because i did it for you You can read my book and Mm -hmm. you know learn a lot from my experience without having to go through the struggle in the same way and that's the thing like when you're saying you watch like movies about the world well i feel like some people need to watch movies about like people like us you know and they're like they're inspired by us like going deep where we're inspired by someone else's like travel blog you know yeah so we're all like sharing these different experiences and they're so needed for the collective because you know there's all these different energies and sometimes it's hard you can't be everybody Mm -hmm. but you can learn from everybody Mm -hmm. you know and grow a lot by studying things that are a little you know unknown to you right and like just allowing those energies just a little bit of space in your brain you know maybe even just for 30 minutes you're like oh okay shadow work what's that you know <laughs> yeah. so but it's good so yeah um, I always um realize when I'm talking to like a fire or air sign because I have very little of either of those in my chart yeah I always feel it almost immediately especially if I'm talking to an Aries Right. You know, but then I get really excited because I'm like, what can I learn from you? <laughs> right. Well, I'm, I'm very sad. <laughs> oh, I don't want to poke. Um, but yeah, it's, but what I hope to do too in the book is for those people who don't go there naturally, because mm-hmm. I've been going there since I was a child. Right. You know, I was a weird little girl, you know, <laughs> like I did, I was into weird things. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me, weird is a positive word. Oh, so. I love. Oh, yeah, Aquarius <laughs> I, rising. I'm not um, <laughs> demeaning myself or anything. Right. I love um, weird. Yeah, weird's awesome. <laughs> but for those who don't naturally go there, you know, to see what how someone else went there, mm-hmm. you know, and to have that framework m- builds a safer container, I think for doing the work than if you felt like you were doing it all alone yes like no one's ever done this I'm all you know I definitely like when I'm in a dark place you know some a lot of times I spend a lot of time by myself but then I do kind of seek out that comfort of someone else you know and Mm -hmm. that's why I love someone like young is even though it's like perfectly worded and all that I just feel like oh he understands me And that this isn't so weird or there wouldn't be all these books about it. You know, there wouldn't be people studying this if, if it wasn't 
kind of natural, right? right? That we're and even these people that live these super happy, perfect, you know, they were born into the perfect family and they're, you know, they've got all the money and you know, like whatever, but they're going to hit a wall one day and that comes with its own set of things. It, oh, t- yeah, totally. Yeah. So, <laughs> everybody's got things. Right. Everybody. And everyone's going to go through <laughs> these big points you know maybe it's through a loss or you know just a deep grief where you're gonna need that that help from someone else and here people like us are we're like i'll hold your hand while you go through your darkness right yeah. so thank goodness for that so yeah. all right so i'm gonna go in the next question um you spend a lot of time going into the chakras in your book sacred catharsis could you explain what chakra analysis is and how you've become a chakra reader? Yeah, absolutely. So if you Google chakras, you're going to get so much information. It'll probably overwhelm you. And depending on who you're reading, the information is going to be greatly different. Mm-hmm. The word chakra, I think, is um, the closest to the Sanskrit pronunciation that my mouth can get. You're right. <laughs> um is actually so old that they believe that it came from a group of Persians that invaded India. I mean, it's like so ancient, but it basically means will. And in my study of yoga philosophies and um, yoga in general, one of the first ways that I came into yoga was through Kundalini yoga, mm-hmm. which works directly with the chakra system in all aspects. Other yoga does too, but I think Kundalini is really more blatant about it. Yeah, they about talk it. about it. They're yeah. like, we're doing this, <laughs> this meditation is... to activate the third eye. Right. right. Yes, <laughs> it's very specific um, because it's a yoga science, right. as they say. Um, so I had been thinking about chakras um, for a very long time. And... So the wheel, the energy center, and we have Kundalini Yoga uses eight, but um, you, if you're Googling, most likely you're going to be introduced to the seven, mm-hmm. which is what I shaped my book around. But there are chakras all over the place in your body mm-hmm. that are m- more minor. Right. But the seven go along your spine and are part of your physical body in and through, kind of like a cone. Mm-hmm. And it starts at the base of the tailbone and goes all the way up to the crown of the head. And each of those energy centers build. So if you think of um, the emerald tablet, the as above, so below, you know, it is kind of a mirror to that. So you've got the lower triangle of chakras, one, two, and three, which really set up your base as a human being. That's your base human experiences and how you become an individual within your community, your your tribe. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the heart is how we begin to express what we've learned from that to the world, how we express who we are. And then you go up into the above and that's your upper triangle, which is all of your more cognitive type of intellectual brain stuff and you've got your throat center where it's the seat of your communication and your personal truth how you you express you know outwardly um to the world through language art music all of that and then you've got your intuition in your third eye um, and how grounded are you into that intuition is it very logic like spock or is it very 
you know, floaty and, oh, I have this premonition, you know, this may happen, you know, (laughs) and and how much do you trust the in-between space, you know, and then you've got the crown chakra, which is your relationship to something higher, Mm -hmm. you know, and one of the reasons that I use the chakra for the chakra system for my book is because you don't have to believe it. You don't have to believe that it's an actual tangible thing to get benefit over it. For me, it builds a scaffolding or a framework for us to be able to do self-inquiry. Right. And it starts, I mean, you can start above and drop to the below, or you can start at the below and work your way up to the above. I chose to do the below to the above Mm -hmm. because what I find with myself and also talking with others is that the below stuff is what we avoid. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I feel like most of us need more work in the below. Totally. And so that's the reason I chose that. Now, um, I do chakra readings for other people. So I do believe that the chakras are actual energy centers in the body. One of the reasons is my personal experience through my yoga practice and actually feeling them there and actually feeling what it feels like when they open. Right. Now, I can't make you believe that or anyone else believe that that actually happened. However, that doesn't make it any less real for me. Exactly. You know, that was my experience. And I was born a very intuitive person. And it may be, you know, the five Scorpio placements. It may be um, INFJ. It may be, you know, I'm just uh, (laughs) a very inquisitive person. And I am sensitive to the world around me. And I can't remember ever not being that way. Mm -hmm. So when I started growing up and realizing that not everyone had the same experiences that I did when they interacted with people or that when they interacted with nature or that, uh, when, when I discovered, Oh, I maybe shouldn't (laughs) talk quite like that in public. Um, but I didn't have, uh, any kind of also a way to scaffold that information and to kind of, where is it coming from? Mm -hmm. You know, it was just, I knew this. Right. You know, it was like I felt it. That and that's it. I felt it. I feel, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in my yoga teacher training, my 200 hour, we learned how to use a pendulum to read the energy centers in the body. And then I realized, oh, that's what I'm feeling. Right. That's what I'm sensing when I'm talking to people. That's what I'm sensing when I'm in the world, how my chakras are interacting with situations, Mm -hmm. you know, and how that energy is moving through my body. And it's not like the chakra is an entity. It's just how our energy is interacting. It's how, you know, when you look at a person, you can tell by their facial expressions, maybe what they're feeling like, Mm -hmm. you know, or they say your vibe attracts your tribe or stuff like that. Um, Like it irks me, not hate (laughs) is a strong word, but irks. Because that negates so much. But um, but there is a truth to it. Like mm-hmm. all stereotypes are all overly meaned things. You right. know, <laughs> there is a truth to it in that when someone enters a room, you can kind of feel them. Oh, yeah. You know, 
So I've always been very sensitive to that. I, I never ignored it. And I grew up in a family where talk of the paranormal and extrasensory perception was as prominent as talking about my evangelical upbringing. You know, it was all intermixed, intertwined. It was all mm. there. So I wasn't taught to ignore those things. Right. And so when I learned to use the pendulum kind of to affirm for myself what I was already feeling, and then I could do it with the chakras, it gave me a scaffolding to be able to express what I was feeling to someone else in a way that made more sense to them. Right. And made like more sense to it. me. Yeah. They can look and see that it, okay. Mm -hmm. It went from left to right. You know, it's like mm -hmm. some people need the physical stuff where mm -hmm. we have some people who are intuitive, like me and you, where we, we do feel it and we trust it because mm -hmm. it's a knowing, but it's so nice to have the tools mm -hmm. for people that are like, what? I don't understand this. And you're like, well, here you go. Here's yeah. an example, you know. Or even just interacting in the world. Like if I'm having a conflict with someone, mm -hmm. you know, now I don't, you blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm like, have you thought of, and I could ask them a question pertaining to the shocker that I'm feeling is upset. Uh-huh. And it can tone down the conversation. It can help us both understand each other better. Right. You know, rather than me just assuming that I know something, it helps me instead to ask questions. Right. Just like I would ask of myself, you know, um, rather than saying, I know this, you know. Right. And just assuming that I'm correct. Exactly. It, it gives me a way to affirm. And, but I do use it, like you mentioned with the pendulum, I, um, read chakras for others mm -hmm. and I can do it over a distance too. Okay. So I lay out a grid and can do it over a distance, um, as well, which is always interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. I bet. That's mm -hmm. fun. I love the distance work when it comes to the Reiki and yeah. the charter stuff, which is good for our listeners who are mm -hmm. in other countries <laughs> yes, <laughs> who want to get in touch with you. You can do readings for them too. Mm -hmm. so I can. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've really enjoyed and learned a lot um, about yoga by following you on Instagram. How do you combine yoga and movement with chakra work? Okay. Um, so as I mentioned, Kundalini works directly. They work through movements called Kriyas, which are kind of prescriptive um, in a way that uh, maybe some other types of yoga folks have experienced are not. Mm -hmm. um, like vinyasa flow can be different every class. But with Kundalini, it's like we do this Kriya mm -hmm. and it's always that Kriya. Um, so ex having experienced both, you know, and I have certifications in both for teaching, having experienced both, I started to benefit more from um, a, a free flowing approach. So like while my book, I don't give people yoga poses to do for the chakras. It's nothing like that in the book. However, and on my Instagram, you, you'll see in my captions, I'm not telling you how to do the yoga poses I'm doing, but I use it in the book as this too. I use it like a practice journal. You know, I'll have this pose and this pose started making me think of whatever it is I'm writing about down there, mm -hmm. you know, and 
I found that movement and I, I'm a weightlifter too. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in that as well. So I found that movement can really create a safe container. Like I mentioned before, we need these safe containers to explore uncomfortable things. I can make myself, I can challenge myself in ways through movement that allow me to explore my boundaries, that allow me to safely explore my edge, um, allows me to, for example, the second chakra, that was one that was really messed up for me. And I think it's true for a lot of um, female identifying folks that that area, or anybody really, (laughs) but especially those who have grown up um, in female presenting bodies just because of our culture, um, I think has, has experienced, um, some traumas there Mm -hmm. because that is where we, the second chakra is where we start to interact with others. And of course it's the womb area, it's the pelvic bowl, it's our sexuality, our sensuality, um, also the first seat of creation in Mm -hmm. our body you know, there's so much. Our art comes from there. You know, our our poetry comes from there. Um, so many beautiful things. But I experienced some traumas in my second chakra early on that shut me down mm-hmm. there and made me skip it, energetically skip it, like block it off, shut it off, close it off. Mm-hmm. And so now, and and somebody can say that this is a fluke, and it might be. But to me, it tells a story. I don't believe that our bodies and our energies are separate from one another. I think our energies and the way that we feel will actually construct our body formation. Mm -hmm. And I know this because I've changed mine so much up and down and backwards and forwards. But I believe this shutting down of my second chakra at such an early age, I now have unlevel hips. You know, I have a left SI joint that is unstable. Mm-hmm. You know, I have pain in my hips uh, for a very long time. It's starting to get a lot better now. You know, I had lost some range of motion in my hip joints. Um, I would not allow myself to freely move my body because mm-hmm. I was afraid of how it would be perceived. You know, so I even changed the way that I walked. To the point, I talk about this in my book, my mom used to say, you walk like you've got a corn cob stuck up your butt. (laughs) And uh, I I would get so offended and so mad because I wouldn't let my hips move, Mm. you know. Um, And while she could have probably said that a little nicer, (laughs) (laughs) she wasn't wrong. (laughs) You know, she was observing me stifling my own movement Uh um, because of my experience in the world. Yeah. You know, and that then in turn formed my body mm-hmm. into this thing. The pain that we experience, unless it's acute, you know, and we can point to the moment that it happened, when we're experiencing chronic pain, it came from a long series of things and built up and up and up, you know. And so with, for example, the second chakra, you know, I can get down in a malasana squat now where I couldn't for so many years of my life and feel safely into my pelvic floor 
Mm-hmm. You know, I can circle my hips now. I'm doing yoga. I can circle. I can feel what that feels like. And then maybe find a space for that to exist outside also of my practice. Right. You know, and one of the reasons that I show my poses on Instagram is not to say, look what I can do, you know, or not to say you should copy this pose. No, it's for me to see myself, to be able to see myself as a sensual being, as a strong being, as a being capable of doing this so that I can then start to believe that about myself. Right. Um, And just exploring, you know, what does it look like when I allow myself to feel sensual? And sensual is different from sexual. Everyone is sensual. Um, You can be sensual with your food, you know. Mm -hmm. um, But allowing myself, and and one of my chapters is allowing pleasurable expression, Mm -hmm. you know. And because of my traumas, I really denied myself a lot of pleasurable expression, the experience of pleasure in all forms. Right. You know, and so yoga and movement allows me to slowly introduce those things back in, in a way that is not overwhelming. Right. So like, I'm not talking about, oh, I'm going to move my hips this way with a physical partner. Right. You know, or I'm not going to do this dance for the public. You know, I'm going to explore what that feels like first in my body and allow that to come back in in a very safe and vulnerable and um, innocent way. And then decide, Mm -hmm. okay, do I want to share this new expression with others? Right. You know, and it helps me to see a vision of it that is not this you are that, you are this, this happened to you. It's, you you know, all the trauma language around some of these things that shouldn't hold that for the rest of our lives, even if we have experienced trauma. Right. It's like a reclamation, Mm -hmm. you know. Same way with weightlifting, you know, having experienced chronic pain for so long. I got a very... um, unhealthy relationship to pain in that if you told me you had to cut my big toe off because of you rationalize that to me and you're not going to do it with anesthetic I'm like all right get it over with right you know and there became a point where my doctors would say tell me when this feels like whatever and I'd have to say well what should that feel like right you know what does a pain scale on the level of 10 feel like you know because I would allow things to happen that went past that threshold and then it was like ah you know and it would erupt so even weightlifting allows me to how do I push my body to that edge but not go over it and what does that feel like right you know and it allows me to explore those things while also getting strong like Mm -hmm. it, it makes me really curious about the body like what is my body capable of I'm really curious to see I have this body you know why not see what it can do why right. not find out? Right. And the, I don't, I feel like when we learn more about the body, we, we realize that it's not separate from our, our mind, our spirit. Mm-hmm. It really is a, a unifying thing. And I, I think sometimes, especially for me, because I, I kind of got caught up in the upper chakras as a child. I was very ungrounded. And so I'm like fascinated by the mind, but I had detached from my body. 
like very dissociated. It took me years to stop dissociating. I mean, I still do sometimes, but um, as I started like learning yoga and stuff, it was bringing me back in. And I was like, this is important. It's important to be here in my body. You know, it's important to feel these things and, and the pain and, and all of that. But I, I don't know if it's just me. I think quite a few of us probably are either all down or all, up, you know, mm-hmm. and there, that bridge area isn't, you know, we haven't activated it. So it's like we're one or the other. Mm-hmm. But learning, you know, that there's a reason why the body is in pain or why it's looking a certain way. Like I, I like had hunched over for years, you know, so I had like yoga helped me like straighten up and, and I look different. And I feel like people think, Oh, she's confident now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like my posture. It just, that one thing is mm-hmm. like brings awareness to even my self esteem, you know? And you just, I, I had never thought about it until I started doing yoga too, or there was this like connection mm-hmm. to my spirit in my body. So I couldn't fully, embrace my spirituality without living inside of my body so it was important. <laughs> it seems silly you know like okay you're you have a body you need to use it but it took me until I was like 20 to even get in here you know yeah and, and we think like so yoga if you go back to the ancient text so much of it was not about the asana Right. You know, there was very little actual talk of yoga asana in the sutras. Mm -hmm. You know, it was all about surpassing the body. And asana was the technique to calm the body down so that then you could sit. Right. You know, and I think sometimes we've got to look at these things within a cultural context. You know, our culture is so different from the culture then Mm -hmm. where they were working hard every day physical labor you know all this stuff and i think that that it um is really easy for us to disconnect from our bodies especially now that we have more and more and more technology right you know i see that in my own children their relationship to their body and and technology is very different from Mm -hmm. my own and it's been hard for me to navigate you know what's right with them yeah but I think so much, many of us have become disconnected from our body that we don't even speak its language anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that we rely more on what we're told it should feel like or what we're told the experience was, and we try to match it up. Right. You know, rather than ask, being able to ask our body, you know, what are you feeling, and to actually be able to hear it and know I think so many of us, too, because of the way our culture advertises beauty and what's beautiful and advertises the body and really monetizes it. I think sometimes we can begin to see our body as the enemy. And I know that was true for me with chronic illness. I was so mad. I hated my body. Hated it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you betraying me? Right. You know, um, and so I, like for more than a decade, my entire thing was, this is a battle against my body. Right. To the point that I was very cruel to my body, trying to get it to behave itself mm-hmm. instead of asking, you know, what's actually wrong with you? Right. You know, wh- where does it hurt? Where, Why? 
you know, what can we do to make this better? Mm-hmm. Instead, I went to this plan, you know, someone else's plan. Someone says, if you do this for 30 days, you know, and I would get rigid about it, mm-hmm. you know, to the point that it didn't matter how bad I felt or how much it hurt. It was almost like that spurred me on to do more. Right. You know, and so just relearning how to be in the body, how to speak its language, how to see it as an ally and not the enemy. Right. I think allows us to find that spiritual space that where the body and is the vehicle for right. the spirit and actually really cares about us. It, it, right. <laughs> and there really is no us on the physical plane without it. You know, so it's like, it's an important piece of the puzzle that we're supposed to, to learn while we're here, you Mm -hmm. know, so, yeah. Um, we've kind of talked about this, but it was such a, um, a big part of the book that I kind of want to go into it a little more. Um, can you share a little about your healing journey and how you've managed to find transformative power in pain? Sure. Um, so when I was around 13 years old, I started experiencing really intense migraine headaches. And uh, now, in retrospect, I realized that that was the start of problems with my thyroid. Mm-hmm. And I did not discover this until after the birth of my second daughter, what this actually was. And... It was a thyroid disorder. It's pretty common, um, actually. Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And I had a thyroid tumor or a mass on my thyroid. And I um, finally got treated for that. <laughs> and that was a game changer for me. Because so much of my experience to that point was my body is doing crazy things. And it makes no sense. And I'm doing all these things to be healthy and I'm still not healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so ma- angry and mad. And um, my experience is a genetic one. My dad and all of his siblings had thyroid problems. My sister has Graves' disease, which is the opposite of what I have. Mm-hmm. So it was, and they all had the headaches and all. So it was um, something that... I knew that we all experienced and I struggled for so long and felt like I was not in the right body. Like my body did not match my spirit. Mm-hmm. And it really at that point in time did not, it didn't. Um, it felt much like I was in the wrong body. And so I felt like I had to hide. And again, like I said, battle it. Mm-hmm. And I experienced pain and that pain would make me mad. You know, I had a lot of anger. And so then I got into this loop of everything is struggle. Right. Everything. And this is also a cultural thing. Like if you haven't worked hard for it, you know, then it's not worthwhile, Mm -hmm. you know, or you didn't do this hard physical labor. So what do you do exactly? You know, like if somebody at home, and this is common, I have some artist friends and um, a common thing that they would hear when they would express that they wanted to be an artist was, but what are you going to do for a job? Mm-hmm. You know, because <laughs> it wasn't, and at home it is hard to live as an artist. It really is. Right. Um, but not being able to see certain things outside of that struggle, that hard work, 
you know, and so you become identified with it. Right. Every day is pain. Right. I walk like this. Every day when I'm making breakfast for my children, I'm hurting. And so I'm going to have to get in the floor and do these stretches while I'm making this breakfast. I'm mad before I even get out of bed because I'm about to deal with that. Right. You know, and you become really identified with it. And it made me so angry. And then what I know now is that it started leaking out into every aspect of my life. I expected everything to be like that. Mm. And so I started hitting things full force. And I would burn out really fast. You know, just trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, why is it to get past the struggle, get past the struggle. There's got to be any, or it's not, it's just going to hurt anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and so all this resentment and anger, it just built up and built up. And it um, blinded me in a way that I could not see myself as that. You know, I, it was almost like a self-righteous kind of penance. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, Um And so when I started looking at what my body was feeling a little bit differently in that, okay, this pain is here. It's not going away. Nothing I've done up to this point is taking it away. You know, and I don't accept, like when I turned 40, you know, I'm now 43. When I turned 40, I was in a lot much more pain than I am now. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I would ask people who were older than me, and they're like, oh, that's normal. Get ready. It just gets worse from here. Right, yeah. And I'm like, I do not accept that. I cannot accept that. I will not. Mm-hmm. You know, I will not. I, I, that's not going to be me. And so I started trying to figure out why, why this happens to us. As we age, why that's a common conception you know, and then also coupled with the pain of me not properly dealing with my chronic illnesses, you know. And so instead, becoming more inquisitive. What's this pain saying to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and there was one point in time when I was doing a type of yoga that was really strenuous. And I'm not going to say the name of it, um, but I will say that it was a newer form of yoga, like a hybrid fusion form of yoga. And a lot of the cues being given at that time, it still exists. So I'm not sure how they've revamped it. I even became certified to teach it. Um, But a lot of the cues would be like, push, push, Mm. you know, keep going, give it all you got, go further than you think you can, you know, and while that's very motivating, You know, Mm -hmm. you give that to somebody like myself, a very studious person who also has this relationship with pain where pain makes you mad and you want to fight it. You know, I would literally push myself to the breaking point and beyond. And so I practiced this form of yoga religiously because it, it was really geared toward finding that space in your body of free movement of primal movement you know and I wanted that so much for myself and I'm like why isn't it not coming it's not coming Mm -hmm. you know there would be glimpses of it in my practice but it wasn't helping me it wasn't becoming pain-free and then one day I rolled my mat out and I realized I was shaking all over like trembling I'm getting ready to do the one thing that makes me so happy in the day 
why is my body shaking? Because it didn't match my internal, like, yeah, I'm getting to practice. Right. It didn't match that. My body was literally like, oh, my God, we're about to be really mean to ourselves, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and my body was having a very anxious response. And it kind of woke me up because I was literally shaking to the point that, you know, I couldn't ignore it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, am I going to be able to practice? What's wrong with me? This is new. And when it kept happening, every time I would roll my mat out, I realized I've got to stop this, this form of yoga. I've got to figure out my body's having anxiety and I don't know where it's coming from. And that's when I started building my connection back. Saying, okay, body, I heard that. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard that. You were telling me that this is not okay anymore. Right. And so learning to listen, you know, being inquisitive enough to not push past that shaking anymore. But also, you know, I'd gotten so hung up on, this is my goal, I have to meet it. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose everything that I've gained Mm -hmm. if I stop this, if I don't do it like they said. Because the prescription for this yoga was three days on, one day off, three days on. And you had a calendar, you know, that you did it by. And if you missed the day, it was, you know, in my mind, it was totally messed up. Maybe kind of like Ashtanga, if you were like very traditional Ashtangi, you know, you practice your, all your days, except certain days when the moon is full and the moon is new, Mm -hmm. you know, and those are your rest days. But what if one day you wake up and you feel like crud, you know, (laughs) um, in my mind, I'm not doing it right if I don't go out and practice, Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so having to learn not to override my body anymore mm-hmm. and that what my body is telling me is useful and that I'm not going to lose everything that I've gained because I'm not doing it, quote, right. Right. You know, instead, what would happen if I let my body tell me what to do mm-hmm. and kind of gave it what it needed and then asked it, can we push a little harder today? Mm. I promise I won't go past that. So I started talking to my body like a friend. Yes. You know, like, can we lift this 10 pounds heavier than we usually do today? You know, can we get excited about it? I promise if it hurts, I'll stop. Mm. You know, um, it's making me feel emotional because I've got chills. (laughs) There was a time when I just didn't even listen to that. Mm -hmm. And what I've found is nine times out of 10 body says, yes, let's go. Right. You know, because I've created that safe environment. So you can use any, and this is something that I want to say to you, you can use any physical practice to, one, enhance yourself or to abuse yourself. Right. And yoga is not exempt from that. Right. And I think that's something, because of there's so much spiritual connection blatantly, I, I find weightlifting just as spiritual as yoga. Um, right. But... There's a lot of that connection to spirituality and yoga, almost like it's to be practiced, you know, like you say, your rosary, you know, or you, <laughs> right. um, that we forget that we can use that activity also to harm ourselves in a, in a more abusive, toxic way. Right. <laughs> and like, like and, an aesthetic or something like, yeah, like <laughs> pushing way beyond what, where it's not even benefiting anymore. It's just 
mm-hmm. part of this ritual that we have to do, you know. I stumbled on this a lot with my second pregnancy because with my first pregnancy, I would brag. I'd be like, I did yoga every day, you know. And I was a lot smaller and a lot younger and a lot stronger and just a totally different person. Mm. But with my second one, I was so fatigued, you know. And so it, it when I did yoga, it was to relax, you know. And sometimes it wasn't every day. And then once I gave birth to my second child... <laughs> I realized that I was really, really tired from taking care of two kids. And there would be days, weeks, where I might not do yoga, like, where I put my mat out. You know, I have to stretch and stuff because, like, that's just, I I start feeling, like, really tight and stuff. But as far as, like, really practicing the ritual of the mat and meditating afterwards, I I can't maintain that right now at this point in my life. But I want it, you know, and I desire it. And, and like... I got to this point where I was like almost beating myself up over not doing it. And I'm like, the reason I'm not doing it is because I am doing a lot of other things right now. Mm -hmm. And I can't put myself up to this standard of where I was at 24 for the rest of my life. Because, you know, I'm a totally different person. I've got another child, you know, I'm like homeschooling and got the podcast. I got to read my books, got to make my art, you know. So I'm having to find where I have to choose do I read today? Am I going to make art today? Or do I do yoga Mm -hmm. today? Because if not, then I'm never going to see my kids because they're going to be doing all this stuff all the time. So it's been hard for me to, to just be okay, you know, with, it's okay to not do any of it. It's okay to just, you know, to make dinner. If that's all I, you know, my kids are safe, they're fed, we did the school, you know, at the end of the day, maybe I don't want to do yoga. You know, I'm tired. My body wants to just like sit in a Epsom salt bath. That's my, that's my yoga, right? <laughs> that's the practice. So I'm slowly becoming more friend, you know, that befriending myself and saying, well, what do we need? Because sometimes it's not always physical. Sometimes it's my mind. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like need to make art. Mm-hmm. Like with the last episode with Philip, I did a lot of reading and watched documentaries. I studied. I was like, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. But I hit this point where I was like, if I don't create something, I'm going to go crazy <laughs> because I wanted colors, you know, I wanted to, to make something beautiful. And because of like, I got so caught in the intellect, you know, that I was like dizzy and I was like, I can't, I can't take in any more information. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I cannot cram anymore for this episode. Everything that we need is there and I'm not going to keep trying to push, you know, like, oh, there's so another one other fact we need to add, you know? So I get, I'm all over the board. It's, I don't know if it's like the ADD or whatever, but it's like, I'm all physical, all mental, all creative, but I'm trying to make space to allow there, this flow between all of my hobbies and interests. And then the physical is something that will just scream at you after a while. If, if I don't take care of it, it's like, no, we're doing yoga right now. Like <laughs> if you can't like lean over without being in pain because you've been sewing for four hours, you know, it's time to do some yoga, you know, so, but it's a hard process. It is, you know, especially like right now I'm following so many yoga people and I love it. And it's, it's, it has inspired me a lot, but I, I have to be like, I cannot compare myself to someone who does yoga for a living. That's their job. They teach it. That's their passion. I love it too. Mm-hmm. I, and it is, I get really passionate about it at times, but sometimes I'm passionate about something totally different 
because I'm all over the board, you know? So I'm like, I want to be able to, to do the splits and like be at peace in the splits. And <laughs> I like, don't know if the splits are really peaceful. <laughs> right? Well, some people make it some look so graceful mm-hmm. and like, you know, and I'm like, it's because they've really dedicated all this time to it. And like, I want to be that, but I can't be. That's them. That's them. But they probably can't embroider or whatever the exactly. way that I sit around and do it for three hours straight. That'd probably drive them crazy, right? So we all have this thing and... And it's, like, good to be inspired by others, but it's, like, super toxic to try to be exactly like someone else. Mm-hmm. Or to say, oh, well, I guess I should just stop doing yoga because I can't do a headstand <laughs> without the wall. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, so, it's, like, I'm glad I'm finally hitting that point where I'm, like, oh, I'm that's super cool that she can do that. Like, that's inspiring to see that the body can do that because mm-hmm. I didn't even know. <laughs> but I don't have to do that to to be into yoga or and to get spirituality out of the me just be doing a forward bend sometimes is all I need. Yeah. You know, and that's spiritual enough, right? Mm-hmm. It like resets me and like brings me into myself. Maybe I'll do a back bend, you know, to expand the other way, you know, but I don't know. It's definitely a process. I think we all like come to like face to face with at some point. It's like, I think I'm taking this, to extreme and, and it's not complimenting me anymore yeah. it's like becoming this dreaded <laughs> thing of like trying to just always be better and grind and move harder and all that so I think everybody probably comes to some kind of face with that or or the opposite of where they're just like god I'll never be enough I'll never do enough mm-hmm. you know so I think that's why the work that I lay out in the book is so important for us mm-hmm. is because what is our intention? One, if we don't know who we really are behind the persona, mm-hmm. we're never going to know why we're here. Right. You know, and we may not completely ever know, you know, why we're here, but there are things that all of us feel called to do. And if you don't feel called to do anything, go back and ask, who am I? You know, right. what is my thing? Right. We, we've got to know our intentions behind it. So, like, for me, if I miss my yoga practice, it's not fun. Right. You know, I'm not an, a happy camper. Right. You know, and so that part, my answer is a little different from yours. Mm-hmm. In that, like, when you said, I needed the color, or I needed <laughs> right. the color, you know, I needed my mat, right. you know, um, That's to your help vessel. me get through the rest of the day yeah. because my intentions and my drives are different from yours you right. know and like uh and that's when we get in those traps of comparing ourselves to the uh-huh. folks we see on instagram or whatever like somebody the other day told me i don't even believe my human body and your human body's the same species mm. you know and he meant it in a j- joking way right you know he's an older guy and i know him well and uh he meant it in a joking way but that it strikes me because i get a lot of times people say i wish i could do that and i'm like but do you really right do you want the work that goes in yeah why like you said uh we end up feeling trapped in these things or we want it so bad 
but why? Why is it really us wanting it, or do we feel like we should mm-hmm. because we see it portrayed in this way, right. or it's presented to us in this way? Mm-hmm. Is it our true will? Is it our heart that's wanting that thing, or would our heart rather sit in the Epsom salt bath? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, and and bringing balance to our lives in such a product-driven culture is really hard mm-hmm. and um especially in our own tendencies you know i'm a water sign that i really need to connect more with water because i can really uh, because i don't manage fire well i burn out really mm-hmm. fast like i hit it really hard and burn out really fast and so i am trying to find those ebbs and flows and letting things in and like for me i know my yoga practice has to be a priority right i can't substitute anything for that mm-hmm. now it, the style that i do might change right like i might need a restorative exactly you know, instead of something that pushes right. but i still need to go have that space on my mat right you know um and i can't replace that with anything whereas what i eat that day is it a cooked lunch or is it something that i just throw together right. you know might can be replaced mm-hmm. or do i read a book or fold laundry Right. You know, what can wait? And those are choices that I still struggle with. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to read a book, but the laundry's in the exactly. dryer. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just finding our way that way and coming to know ourselves and what drives us and why. Mm-hmm. I think, in general, will make us happy people. Right. Happier people. Eat contentment. You know, to me, happy is the same thing as sad. It's fleeting. It's not anything to be grasped at. Right. You know, um, but I think contentment, mm-hmm. wherever we're at. Right. You know, in the spectrum of emotion, mm-hmm. are we content? Do we feel fulfilled? Right. Is there something missing? Where can we explore more to mm-hmm. feel that whole? Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded a lot. I don't know if you have 12th house placements, but Nila, the astronomer, was looking at my chart and I have a, a lot of 12th house. And so like for me, it like it is for you, like you, the yoga is key. Mm-hmm. It's not always yoga, but I have to do something every day that that pulls me in. So like when I'm embroidering, it's kind of an active meditation or sometimes yeah. when I'm reading, I'm I'm nourishing parts of myself that when I don't make that space, I'm not um, as nice of a person. Um, or maybe I'm coming into the world in this more defeated way. You know, it's like I get so beat down if I don't make that space. But I, it was so nice, and this is why I love astrology, when he was looking at that and he was like, it's key that you allow the space because I'm not like complete – without it you know it's necessary so I don't know I love I love like getting those confirmations so I'm not like what is wrong with me why do I always have to to do this because I have like a lot of extroverted friends and they just thrive on in in these beautiful ways yeah and I'm like they'll like people invite me to stuff and I'm like I love you that sounds amazing if I don't get space to myself right now I'm not going to be worth hanging out with you Mm -hmm. know because I'm going to be just sitting there thinking all I'm going to do is (laughs) this other thing you know because it's like it's a part of who I am like Mm -hmm. and I it's it's necessary for me so yeah just like giving yourself grace that we're all different and it's okay to take that time you know and it's you're not like some kind of addict or something it's like it's it fulfills you spiritually then it's something that you need you know so 
All right. Um, what is some advice that you would give to someone who is taking some of the first steps into the work of self-inquiry? And who are some of the people who helped you along the way that you are grateful for? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my biggest advice is don't, would be to not get too hung up on any one thing. But at the same time, if you just skirt around the surface of these different ways of doing things, you may not go deep enough to get the information that you need. Mm -hmm. You know, so you should pick a few things and try it out for a while. And you'll know, you know, within a few months or so, is it, is it working? Is it something I want to explore further or am I burnt out on that mm -hmm. and I need to try something else? Um, but if you're all over the place, ask yourself what you're avoiding. Right. <laughs> to, um, what am I avoiding? Why am I continually uncomfortable in these new things I'm trying? Right. You know, um, so it, it's hard to balance, but don't get discouraged. And also, um, don't feel like you're going to reach a destination. Mm. Because this is layers of work. Right. And it... If you can think of yourself as a spiral, you know, it's you're going to meet the same things. But when you meet it the next time, you're different. Right. You know, so notice, how am I reacting to this now? How's it changed? How's it impacting me now? Mm -hmm. You know, for example, our traumas. We can't get rid of that event. You know, we can't get rid of what that story taught us. You know, that's always going to be there. You know, there's, if something happened to me really, really young, I have to recognize that that might always be a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. Like that trigger might not ever go away. Right. But if I can recognize it, how I respond to it can be manipulated. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be that knee-jerk reaction. And so to know that... You hear all this self-healing, you know, um, self-inquiry, all that. There's no destination. You're not going to one day announce yourself healed. Right. Life is still happening. New things are still happening. And those old triggers are going to come up right. all the time. So it's, uh, there's one line, it's overly maimed, but it's a really good one. <laughs> it's been helpful for me. Um, healing is not linear. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you can think of it more circular and just forgive yourself if you fall, like if you're tired, those old patterns, you're probably going to pick up those again. Right. You know, and instead, when you notice those old responses coming up that you've already worked through that you don't care to work through again, mm -hmm. ask, what else is it that I need? Because my body's stressed and tired and we're going into these old patterns. Right. So something's going on. I need to adjust and support myself more. Mm -hmm. You know, but be patient and um, know that you're not going to reach a destination. But over time, things are going to feel more settled. You're going to feel more content. You're going to feel more okay. And now, for example... I don't care to tell if I'm in a conversation and someone said something and it's never intentional, you know, that has triggered me and I'm starting to talk in a reactive way and I can't make that stop. I will tell them. Right. 
this, when we talked about this, this triggered me. It's not your fault. I'm so sorry. Um, can we talk again tomorrow? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, and give myself that space and not be embarrassed. Right. You know, so we start gaining those types of skills. And I've never had anybody meet me with resistance when I said that. Right. Oh, sure. Okay. I'm sorry that happened. You know, and, I'm, and I always say, it's not your fault. You know, don't worry about it. This is me. But let's talk tomorrow. You yeah. know, so I can get a handle on myself and, and talk to you as me and not as this trigger. Right. You know, and I've always never had anybody meet that with any kind of resistance or pushback or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think when we start to become more mindful of ourselves, other people will become more mindful of us and right. mindful of themselves. And it's all going to ricochet, you exactly. know, and, and um, give you a an experience that is not just struggle and is not conflict all the time and is more soothing and is more balanced, mm-hmm. you know, and more, um, allowing yourself to be who you are rather than what we've been told we should be. Right. Um, I think those are the main goals is who am I? Why am I here? Right. And I feel like as we do that, the self-inquiry, we're doing the work and we start expressing ourselves in that way, like, Hey, that kind of triggered me as we do that. Like we are setting this example or allowing someone to see, oh, I can do that. So if, if something's hurting my feelings and it, you know, or I'm, I'm wanting to respond in anger, I can say, hey, I'm a little triggered right now. So like as we step into that, you know, and we love ourselves and we, you know, befriend ourselves, others see that and they're like, oh, maybe I could do that same thing. It's like, it's so inspiring. You can see how it like would ricochet. Mm. I feel like it could change a whole town, you know, mm. if everyone just started being like, okay, I'm going like, to give you some space. Right. Mm. Cause I know that this is a hard thing and it's so beautiful to see how that that could change people, other people outside of the person doing the work. You know? For sure. Yeah. And, and another thing is we trigger, for example, is, is a word that has, is a kind of a buzzword right now, mm-hmm. you know, and so I've uh, heard college professors express that they'll be talking about a book that they've taught for years and all of a sudden half the class is triggered and gets up and walks out the door because mm-hmm. they're triggered. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's another aspect of that word that we should look at. How do we face our triggers and not have to get up and leave the room? Right. You know, sometimes we will. Yes, absolutely. But John Waters, (laughs) he was in an interview, and I don't know the exact quote because I haven't, I've been trying to find that interview again, the movie director, you know, and he's out there, Pink Flamingos, you know, he deals with trash, you know, and he calls it trash (laughs) and very, some very triggering things for people. And he said it really interestingly is like, if we keep running from the trigger, that trigger has all this power. How are we ever going to have a conversation to change anything about ourselves or society? Or if we can't look that trigger in the eye, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think some of this work helps us to do that. You know, even me being able to look at somebody and say, hey, I'm triggered and it's not your fault. Right. You know, it's something that happened way back. But give me a few seconds to get a handle on it. I do want to talk to you again about this. Right. Not saying we can't talk about it. Right. You know, but I will come back. <laughs> you That's, know, yeah. we will talk about it again and I'll be okay. You know, or maybe let's talk about it this way and mm-hmm. see if that helps, you know, so on. But, um, yeah, and, and 
I think unpacking our triggers, a lot of my book, so part of my book is memoir, mm-hmm. you know, probably about half of it. And then I've got like studies that I mentioned, you know, and on the chakras and all of that mixed together to kind of unpack, you mm-hmm. know, and it's a way to kind of remove yourself a little bit, almost like you're studying, like literally studying yourself like a book. Right. You know, so you've got this story that when you tell it, you may feel things. But if you become a student then and ask why, and then you start looking for the answers, then you realize, oh, you know, this is where that came from. This is why, you know, it the power that that story had over you, if it was not a, a reaction that you want starts to dissipate mm-hmm. the more that we can express it and talk about it and face it as he said you know um the less as we talked about earlier the less mysterious or the less mysterious i think is good word <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, the less um just ugly it is mm-hmm. and it's just like oh yeah this happened but that does not That is not the base of me. That is not my essence. That does not tell my story now. Right. You're like choosing, you like acknowledge it, but you're choosing not to allow it to be a big part of your identity anymore. Mm -hmm. So you're like, yes, that happened. I I, I talk about my trauma stuff quite a bit on the show, but I do it um, in a way that, so like other people can see, okay, I've worked through that and I can talk about it. But really, when I'm not doing the show, I don't talk about it mm-hmm. because I don't want to continue to tell the story over mm-hmm. and over again and and say, oh, well, this is who I am because we're bigger than that. We're not just the stories that we say, even though it is a big part of us, it's that foundation, um, but we can continue to grow way beyond that, you know, mm-hmm. and there's this freedom there to say, well, my identity is kind of what I'll make it, you know, mm-hmm. and the... The groundwork is great and it created this beautiful personality that might, you know, benefit me in some ways, but I'm actually bigger than that, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to reincarnate and start all over, right? It's just like continuous, yeah. you know, it goes on and on. So. It does. And you can, and you can rewrite that story at any time. That's one yes. of the reasons that talk therapy, I got tired of it mm-hmm. because once I started feeling desensitized from the story i'm like that happened now what am i going to do with what it left me with exactly you know i can tell you the story i can tell him over there the story i can tell some stranger the story i'm to that point now if you ask it'll come out you know exactly um and and it won't affect my day right (laughs) i've said that you know and i'm like that's a problem that's not getting me to where i need to be oh yeah you know and that is another reason and i'm I want to also say that, you know, if you start to use the techniques that I talk about in my book, you know, or you pick another, you know, you follow Carl Jung and you start examining yourself that way, or you follow some other, you know, person in Carolyn Miss or, you know, whoever um, you resonate with, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a way to begin as an entry point, right? you know, don't think you have to pick one or the other, like, if you're seeing a therapist now, you can use this information to take back to your therapist right. and say, I realized this this week. 
Right. You know, I discovered this. I'm feeling this way now. Mm-hmm. You know, you can use this to inform your therapy so that you're not just repeating the same story over right. and over again. Exactly. You know, you can be an active participant if your therapist is not already um, encouraging you to do that. Right. You know, and also medicine. Um, I will say I have been on psychiatric medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, I have come off of it. Um, but something I always tell myself is if it gets to that place where I am not using these tools well, right? that is always an open option, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't think, again, finding that balance, being an either or, you don't have to get yourself, like <laughs> there's a whole thing, like uh, I grew up in a area where we're mostly evangelical and, you know, base. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people like, I got to get right before I can go to church. Right. Yeah. You know, and then you say, well, you go to church to get right. Right. That supports you, you know, in the process. Yeah. <laughs> and so you don't have to think that because you're choosing one path, it shuts out anything else. Right. You can complement mm-hmm. your yeah. growth in a different way. So, yeah. Um, do you think you could read, a, like, maybe a little excerpt from your book for us? Um, sure. So that we can get kind of a sample of your writing style? Yeah. So um, usually when I read, I read more of the memoir sections because okay. reading statistics and things like that can get <laughs> <laughs> like a blah, blah. Right. Um, but and I usually read um, part about my family. Okay. Um, So this is from uh, the first chakra chapter, Security. And uh, I like this one because it uh, is one way our family stories and how we see our parents and and all of those types of things um, can really open doors for seeing ourselves. And so this shows, you know, how I took my story and told it back to myself, which is ultimately what you're doing when you're doing this work. And this is my mom speaking in the start. I went from being able to walk the halls to sliding down the wall onto the floor from the pain, my mother told me about my birth. You had a bowel movement inside of me, and they said that you were under too much stress, and they'd have to do an emergency C-section. She held up seven fingers. Every time she tells the story, she holds up seven fingers. I only opened up this much, dilated seven, and was like that too long, I guess she said. I imagine her doctor held up seven fingers when he was explaining the situation to her then. Sometimes she'd raise her shirt, unfasten her pants, and show me the scar. Back then they didn't cut across like a bikini cut like they do now. They cut me from my navel all the way down to get you out. She runs her fingers over the scar and spreads her skin apart for a more complete image. Until her third baby, my half-brother, was born in 1988 through that scar, it was thick, lighter than the rest of her often suntan skin, and raised. My belly button didn't look like this before, she said. When my brother was born a decade after me, the doctor cleaned away some of the scar tissue, making it a lot less noticeable. My brother being the third baby born from that scar, the doctor also thought it best to tie her tubes. After 30, I felt like I was too old to have any more, she said. I was born at 7.07 p.m. on an October day. Mom only dilated seven centimeters during her labor. They say seven is a lucky number. 
according to her story, I figured that we'd both have survived was lucky enough. I tried to breastfeed you, but you were too sleepy. You'd take three sucks, and she make three sucking sounds, as she tells me. Then you'd fall asleep. Finally, Mimi, my mother's mother, said, Leslie, that baby's going to starve to death. I'm making her a bottle. So I never tried breastfeeding you again. You took your bottle until you were three. Three sucks of the breast and three years of sucking a bottle. Three, the Holy Trinity. There, in that story, told again and again, I began to understand the crux of my relationship with my mother. The explanation for those nuanced moments where I felt this entire mother-daughter scenario was not at all what she expected, where my Mimi stepped in and I became her angel baby. These mountains are sentinels for time. I used to think that they stood because they were cold rock, stronger than the constituents of the time that they stand watch over, hardened time, the rivers of life not affecting their stance on existence, their ancient age, a kind of stoicism. Recently, though, I understood differently. They stand sentinels for time because they are soft like time is soft, slowing down or speeding up based upon the requirements of the participants. They stand because they are not fire or water, earth or air. They are with the fluctuations of the elements, embodying them in equal parts. The decay of life which clings to their sides and in their valleys, building rich earth from which the past nurtures the present growth. The water dripping from the morning leaves, falling over rock through mountain streams to find the creek beds in the hollers, rinsing, washing, moving, displacing earth. The wind knocking dried leaves from trees in October, bending branches, swaying canopies and sound, taking up the birds with pockets under their wings. The fire burning in waving lines crossways over the hillsides, sending the smell of campfires into the night air, clearing brush, cutting through trees with lightning bolts of powerful remembrance. The mountains are not these things, but they exist to be home for these things from which life is built, they don't brace themselves in unsustainable drive against them, but they allow their movements through the evidence of subtle changes seen in the cut-throughs along the highways and the sandstones on the creek banks. I do not believe that motherhood was ever cut and dry for my mother. She knew what it was supposed to look like on the exterior, and she knew what she thought she wanted it to be. But the reality of it is much more complex. There are a lot of reasons for this, and I understand that now. For a long time, though, I held a grudge. The mother I experienced was not the sitcom mother making dinner, giving advice, or doctoring wounded knees. No, my mother was not the mountain, nurturing the flow of life, or standing watch. My mother was the elements. She has never known how to be anything else. That's beautiful. I've got chills right now. <laughs> and I had read it before, but like hearing it in your own voice, was that's really special. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, um, we talked a little bit about Sacred Catharsis. What are some of the other works that you've had published? Okay, um, so Sacred Catharsis is uh, really uh, different than anything <laughs> else I've had published. Um, and I, I'm super grateful for the opportunity, which actually came from my posts on Instagram. Um, the publisher saw my post and mm -hmm. asked for the book. So that was really cool. Um, mm -hmm. But my other uh, work is mostly um, 
has been mostly community journalism. Okay. Um, so I've written for the Daily Yonder. Um, I have written for Pathways for Family Wellness from the uh, Chiropractic Association mm. <laughs> um, about birth. Uh, okay. I have had multiple poems published. Um, I'm part of this uh, uh, year's Women of Appalachia project. This is my second time. Um, so poems published through that. Um, Pine Mountain, Sand and Gravel. Um, I've had short stories published in Steal the Journal. Um, but probably other than those types of things, my biggest work was an essay. Um, and this tells you how all over the place uh, my work is on J.D. Vance, if you've ever heard of him, and Hillbilly Elegy, the book. Mm. So it was published by West Virginia University Press as part of an anthology that was actually a pushback against his book mm. um, called Appalachian Reckoning. Um, so an essay there. <laughs> uh, and then you know, my book. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've been, this is my first full length. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I work a lot in essay and, and uh-huh. journalism, article, short story, All right. that sort of thing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, can you share with our listeners the best way to keep up with you and purchase um, your book? Mm-hmm. Also your Instagram and info so people can continue to follow you. Absolutely. So Instagram is actually the best way, I think, to okay. follow me. That's the only social media that I'm active on. Um, so I'm at darkmoon underscore Kelly with an I. So darkmoon underscore Kelly with an I. Um, and you can find me there. Also, my website is www.kellyhansel.com. So that's, again, Kelly with an I and Hansel like Hansel and Gretel. Um, and there you will find, uh, my book and where to purchase that at. Um, all of that information too is also at the link in my bio on Instagram. Okay. So I have a landing page, um, at the link there that you can go to that will also say any workshops, any readings that I'm offering. Um, in March, I'll be doing a workshop in Johnson city, Tennessee at the Uh Samadhi healing center, um, art center, um, on, the lower triangle and sacred catharsis. So there's things like that coming up and in the works and future events um, are all there as well as uh, a buy me a coffee (laughs) 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 to support my work that way. Um, And then uh, the book purchasing information. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for traveling out here and and doing this. I'm just so excited to share this. It was really an honor to get to come. and I've had a great time since I've been here. So thank you so much for being here and the content that you offer. I enjoy listening to. So (laughs) it's a a magical thing. I love it. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. And thank you all for tuning in. Check us out next time on the Astral Hour.